When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you with more Class of 2025 recruiting talk and here to do it with me, co-host Will Miles. You can find him at readreaction.com on Twitter or social media at will miles sec readreaction.com read reaction on youtube all that good stuff there with nick newton happening nick uh man i called you nick after just saying nick newton's name will uh here we are continuing our class of 2025 we will concentrate on the offense and we kicked it off last week you know turning the page from the class of 24 down to class of 2025 and there's some interesting storylines, I think, Will, for the, uh, the the offensive side of the ball. We got into it a little bit last week with the quarterback talk. We'll dive into a little bit more quarterback talk, but we'll expand it, go into some storylines for each position group, running backs, wide receiver, offensive line, tight end. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Napier's done a pretty good job of bringing in um, numbers, at least at a bunch of different positions, but there's some holes out there. And so, you know, we can talk about the roster, where it sits, how these guys fit, and sort of, you know, what what we maybe see in terms of needs, but also just in terms of stacking players, especially in the transfer portal era, stacking becomes more important than ever, right? Where one guy could leave for for, you know, for whatever reason, and all of a sudden you're left sort of needing somebody else to step right up on the roster. So, uh, you know, I, I think in the past you may have really recruited for uh, need, but I think at that at this point it's almost best available because you never know when when you might need somebody to step in. Yeah, so like I said, we'll go position by position. And the kind of the storylines there too, I mean, a big DJ Lagway effect, I think, for the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, we'll get into that. Uh, but I think some interesting storylines to go uh, and get us started here on this side of the ball. We'll do defense next week, uh, of course, kind of split this up because we'll be throwing a whole lot of targets and names at you, so <laughs> uh, it'll be uh, maybe overload, but I don't know if there's a such thing uh, when covering recruiting right here. So like, subscribe right here on Gators Breakdown. Get those notifications when there's a new Gators Breakdown. Leave a comment. Your support helps Gators Breakdown grow. Talking about those comments, you know, what, what do you think about this class of 25 so far? Just got a new commitment on the offensive line there with Peyton Joseph, so plenty uh, to get into on that front. And also leave a comment about what you think about what Will and I have to say tonight about the offensive side right here on Gators Breakdown. So uh, we, we did start it last week, like I said, with the quarterback spot. Let's expand that a, a, a little bit. And, of course, there's two names that kind of really stand out. But I I think we can go with the DJ Lagway effect. We can set that for the quarterback position, but also the wide receiver position coming up in a few minutes. We discussed the quarterbacks last week to kick this class of 2025 preview off, and there's not much to add. The two prominent names, of course, Ryan Montgomery from Ohio, Antoine Hill hailing from the state of Georgia. And it's become clear, Will, I think in the latest uh, updates, the last couple of days, uh, talking to the various recruiting sites that Ryan Montgomery has basically said not there's not or the timeline has kind of come out that he's not going to be in that big 
uh, of a hurry here. Won't have a decision until April or May. Concentrating on basketball for now. Then we'll take a break from it all. Then talk it over with family. Probably take more visits. And that's why the timeline is kind of going to go through earliest. You know, unless something weird happens between that, that kind of the plan would be a late April going into May decision there for Montgomery. Of course, six foot three, 210 pound, four star quarterback. Plans to make that early decision. Has visited several schools recently. The visits include South Carolina. Georgia, Florida. In August, uh, Montgomery listed Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, South Carolina as his top five, but kind of comes down to three right now. And some even think, Will, the decision is Florida, South Carolina, and does say he wants to make that decision uh, probably before the summer. So Georgia looks like they might be pursuing a different quarterback, might be holding off on Montgomery for now. That's why many think it's a Florida-South Carolina battle. One more time, Antoine Hill decommitted from Colorado in November. Visited Gainesville in January. Four-star quarterback enjoyed that visit. Considered one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Top 100 player overall. Plays in one of the highest qualifications in Georgia there in Houston County. Big arm quarterback. Pass first quarterback. Picks up most of his yards on runs on scrambles. Not design runs. Florida State. LSU. Louisville. Texas A&M. Michigan. Alabama. Also interested Likes Napier's work with Anthony Richardson and the potential work with DJ Lagway. Some feel Florida might be the team to beat now. And is coming off the recent commitment of his teammate Peyton Joseph. Well, Will, that certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> he committed to Florida there. Gets an offensive lineman uh, that he'll be, he'll be playing with coming up this fall. Uh, that will be in orange and blue, right, you know, if, if that stays committed. So, look, while not a package deal, it can only help. So, Two angles to this, Will, with Lagway, uh, of course. Uh, I think kind of to expand that storyline, he's the heir apparent quarterback target. You know, he's going to have, he's going to be the heir apparent, going to be on the field, but might get that chance to show off some some of his talents this year uh, in, in in some limited situations. So, if he shows that uh, ability, does it get you know the, the, these quarterbacks that could get excited for what they see for the true freshman quarterback? But also, those guys have got to be fine with possibly sitting behind Lagway for a couple seasons before they get on the field. You know, so there is a, I think if Lagway gets some playing time this year and those guys can kind of envision themselves of playing as a true freshman in some form or fashion, some certain packages, okay. Uh, I don't know if you go take Lagway off the field if he's what we think he'll be uh, in, in the orange and blue. So more than likely, I think the Lagway effect here for a quarterback could be all right, it's got to go. They got to be fine with the possibility of sitting behind him for for a couple of years. And look, Will, I think we get to it. That's rare in this college football world, the transfer portal world. It's pretty rare for a quarterback to want to go sit behind another quarterback for a couple of years. Well, I mean, I think it comes down to how are you going to prepare these guys for the pros is the is the selling point that you've got to have, right? Is it if you want them to sit there for any length of time behind somebody like Lagway, the point isn't that you're going to get to play 50-something games before you go to the NFL. The point is, is that you're going to get an opportunity to go to the NFL. This is one of the nice parts about the fact that it's three years out of high school before you're able to declare and be draft eligible for the NFL. It does mean you can be a little bit patient. Now, look, I mean, we've seen guys transfer quite a bit, obviously. A guy like Jaden Daniels starts out at Arizona State, ends up at LSU. Joe Burrow starts at Ohio State, ends up at LSU. And we've seen that sort of over and over and over again. At the same time, 
um, those guys are leaving because there's someone in front of them. So you bring in a guy like a Montgomery or a guy like a uh, like a Hill, and hey, if those guys win the competition, again, it sort of goes back to what I said earlier about stacking the players. If those guys win the competition, great, they get to play. If they don't win the competition, in fact, in many ways, you wish them well because it's time to bring in somebody in the 2026 class as well. As far as these guys specifically, if you look at their stats, I actually think there's not a huge separation between the two, at least statistically. So last year in his junior year, Montgomery completed 71% of his passes, 9.3 yards per attempt. Um, Hill completed 65% of his passes, 8.8 yards per attempt, but his sophomore year completed 70.5% of his passes for 9.6 yards per attempt. So at least through the air, they're very, very similar. And Hill, I couldn't find rushing stats for uh, – for Montgomery, but Hill, not a guy who's going to rush the ball very much. 144 rushes, negative 144 yards, according to Max Prep. So very much pocket passers when we talk about Montgomery and when we talk about Hill. Guys who are going to have a little bit different skill set than DJ Lagway. And if you think about sort of the way the way that's worked out in the past for Florida, not necessarily the best, right? When they've gone from a guy like Tim Tebow to a guy like Jeff Brantley, where all of a sudden you don't have that sort of mobility. I don't look at either of the profiles of these guys and say, yeah, definite star. Now, they don't have their senior year yet, and that really – you see a big jump usually in high school between your junior and senior year. But you could look at Lagway's stats as a sophomore and go, star, yeah, I get it, I understand. And then he replicated it and, in fact, even enhanced it his senior year. But he was averaging something like 12, 12 and a half yards per attempt in high school. These guys are down around nine, nine and a half. So there is a difference, and in many ways that also may play into – getting one of these guys into uh, into the program, which is, hey, you're not ready to play right now. You may mm-hmm. think you are, and that's a, that's a case you're going to have to make. I don't think either of these guys is ready to beat DJ Lagway, but I think competing with Lagway would help both of them advance. And to me, that was always the case for, for guys going to Alabama was, you know, yeah, you get to play for Saban, all that sort of stuff. But the reality is, well, you were going to play against guys who are all playing on Sunday. So if you were a quarterback who thought you could play on Sunday, you go out there and play against that Bama defense, even if it's the second <laughs> the second tier Bama defense, you're playing against a bunch of guys who are going to be playing in the NFL. And so to me, that's the sales pitch. The sales pitch isn't, oh, we'll let you play by the time you're, you know, there's a spot when you're a true freshman or any of that stuff. It's come in, win the competition. If you win the competition, then you're going to the pros because the guy you're going to beat out is going to the pros. And you put it that way and then let sort of let the chips fall where they may. Muddy Waters says, forget Montgomery. I'd go all in on Antoine Hill. He's the real deal. And also Montgomery hasn't played any elite competition. Hill plays the best of the best in middle Georgia. Yeah, so the, I was I went up south, south of Atlanta this past weekend. Drove right through Warner Robins, right there through Houston County. Uh, there, no, I did not drop a bag or anything for Peyton Joseph to commit to Florida. I think uh, that, that that was safe. We ready. were we were going to give you credit, Dave. We were going <laughs> to give you credit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, y- y- you know that type of ball that they play right there in in, in Middle Georgia. So uh, look, and look, the talent uh, there has been rising in the high school range for quite a while, anyway. So, all right, let's get to the uh, next position. Like I said, we talked. If you want more quarterback talk, Will and I dove into these two guys more last week. Uh, you can go listen to, to last week's episode uh, if you missed that. So uh, let's go to running back. Will, let's start there. While Tess Clark already committed to Florida, so only see Florida probably taking one more back. Uh, of course, Clark committed to Florida back in September, a strong back from Tampa plant. 
Not a burner, but shows great vision and acceleration, always going forward. But, you know, I think adding speed to this position is paramount. And let's go to the top, top, top of the board and top of the country. Another storyline here, Will, for running back is running back coach Barja Luke's nephew, Harlan Berry, recently committed to LSU, the top running back in the country, pledging to the home state Tigers. The hope would be, of course, that the family tie would work some magic here for Florida, but that was not to be. No, I mean that, that's that's a tough one, right? I mean, you, you would hope that uh, that that having your family there would would convince you to go, but obviously, you know, there's there's an allure to playing at home. I get that. Yeah. And and look, the guys that that we've that we're going to talk about here, Michael Turner, Usman Kroma, and, and Tavion Swint, those those are good players, and I don't think com- combining one of those guys with Clark would be uh, a pretty good haul at running back for Florida, even if you don't necessarily get the the kin of of Jabbar Jaluk. For sure, for sure. So, all right, let's get to it, as Will said. And we won't go in the ranking order. If you're watching on YouTube, I did throw up player rankings and stuff, but kind of just going through, um, you know, just, you know, the the, the players uh, won't go in necessarily a power ranking order. Uh, But let's start with Michael Turner. Uh, And six foot, 190 pound from North Richland, Texas. Uh, just offered a few weeks ago, one of the top backs in the country had 213 rushes for 1,668 yards, almost eight yards a carry, and 23 touchdowns this past season, the 2023 season. He had 16 receptions for 131 yards and four touchdowns in 2023. He wants to take an official visit to Florida in April or May, wants to make a decision before a senior season, loves the approach from running back coach Jabbar Jaluk. Uh, and Florida will be joining Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Baylor, SMU, and others for potential official visits. I'll take a look at his film a bit. The four-star can outrun everyone on the field. And I talked about adding speed. That's why I started with him. I want to add speed to the backfield, but also bouncing off contact, maintaining his footing on some big plays. Uh, even as defenders close in, Turner spots openings, accelerates to the open field with ease, Shows a, a diverse skill set right there on his uh, highlights, but I still think Florida needs that faster type of running back. Turner fits that profile. Um, and look, well, I think you look back at Kane and Daniels and Jaden Ball, good, hard-nosed physical backs from the last cycle, uh, but I'm not sure they had that breakaway speed at the college level. I think Turner can provide that. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Usmani Chroma. Uh, uh, man, I had, to, I had to look up that name there just to make sure I got it right. And thankfully, uh, YouTube helped me out a little bit. But Usmani Kroma from Leesburg, Georgia, Lee County, a top five running back in the country. Stats go for 182 carries for 1,783 yards, 20 touchdowns in 2023, 31 receptions, 522 yards, nine touchdowns in 2023. In 2022, as a sophomore, he had 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, 8.3 yards of carry across nine games, caught 18 passes for 193 yards and two scores there. Kramar is fast, but he doesn't outrun everybody on the field. His strength lies in just playing in contact. Highlights are filled with you know him taking hits, bouncing off, spinning away, and then, of course, getting those lengthy runs after that. His size undoubtedly plays a significant role in this one, uh, in his play rivals, Georgia and Florida State likely have the early lead for the Peach State star. 
And then one more, Tavion Swint, a UCF commit out of uh, UCF commit out of Kissimmee, 206th overall, 18th running back in the country. Uh, most uh, he missed first few games of his junior season due to a preseason knee injury. Ended up carrying the ball 74 times for 602 yards, 8.1 yards a carry, uh, and six touchdowns in six games while also catching six passes for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but really, in 2022, he gets those stats there, 1,666 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns, 224 carries over the 7.4-yard average for the Kissimmee-Osceola program that went 10-4, made the semifinals of Florida's new 4S playoffs that year, eclipsed a 100-yard mark in rushing eight different times, including eventual state champion Lakeland. Uh, also caught 15 passes for 161 yards and four touchdowns. Also plays special teams. Named Osceola News Gazette's Offensive Player of the Year in 2022. And as a freshman, six, 612 yards, 12 touchdowns uh, for Kissimmee Osceola. Also caught 16 passes as a freshman for 189 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, also just won an MVP award at the Under Armour Camp in Orlando. Ole Miss and Rutgers are you know, schools that might be recruiting him just as hard, even though he's committed to UCF. Uh, last year when he had a top five, Will, he said Florida was sitting at number five with UCF at number one. Then he committed to them not long after. Maybe something that can help Florida in the end if he wants to start to look around more. This might can help Florida. Swint is cousins with Florida cornerback Jakeem Jackson. Well, so you said he Swint like special teams. He's not number three, is he? sorry i couldn't resist no i mean look i think florida obviously any of these three players is going to be a big time ad for florida considering they already have waltez clark there at the position i think obviously from a ranking perspective chroma is the guy you look at the thing that i sort of something i started looking at a few years ago a guy named bill barnwell at espn started looking at something he came up with called speed score for the for the combine and for running backs in particular, really seemed to correlate with successful running backs, at least going from college to the NFL. And that was big guys who are fast. And so that's really what Chroma brings to the table. He's six foot, a half inch, 215 pounds compared to Turner, who's 5'11 and a half, 190, and then Swint, who's 5'9, 180. Now, look, some of those small backs have been successful at Florida in the past, but really, you don't necessarily have to be a burner at the running back position. The thing that Barnwell was trying to say is that it's almost more valuable to have somebody who's big, who's fast per pound. It's <laughs> sort of the way he put it. And, and, and Chroma certainly has that. The other thing that he brings to the table, and I think you said it, but I want to call it out, is he's got 49 catches over the last two years compared to Turner, who has 18, and compared to Swint, who has 21. Really making having a guy who can go out there catch reliably the ball out of the backfield means you've got a guy who can be out there three plays he can be out there you know first down second down third down it doesn't matter because he can be a threat in that particular space but look i mean i think a burner in turner would be great a guy who's big but still has pretty good speed and Cromod be awesome. And then Swint, if he can participate on special teams, I mean, certainly that's a place where Florida can use help early on. 
And then, um, you know, we see a lot of guys who are five, nine, who can contribute. Um, it's just a question of, of, you know, where does he fit, especially given the depth that Florida and Billy Napier are building in that room already. It's not just Kanan Daniels and Jaden ball. You've also got Trey on in there as well. And so where does, where, where do those guys fit? Not just with the guys who are being brought in, in this 2025 class, but sort of the same thing we were saying with lagway, right? Is that you want to stack as best you can, especially at a position where you get injuries, but, you know, it, it becomes more difficult to convince people to go there if if you've got two guys at that position every single recruiting class, and that'll be the challenge that they sort of are up against here. Yeah, I think the reputation has been, you know, you get the tough, hard-nosed, physical running backs in this offense, and it's kind of what they've recruited the last couple of years and still waiting for that burner. You had that in Trevor Etienne, still waiting to see if there's another back that can do that. I think if you look forward, if you see – either one of these three guys we just discussed or somebody else that's down the line. We can't discuss every little target out there. We'd be here for 20 hours discussing all this, but you know, those are the three guys that I I picked out. But you know, if you have somebody in this 2025 class, given what we just talked about, who's already Trey on web, the two guys that they brought in last cycle, if you have a 2025 guy that plays as a true freshman, well, at least you went out there and know they earned it. Like I, I like the room. Florida has put the talent there. If a true freshman is going to come out here and put up stats as a 2025 recruit, I think he's earned it. Because <laughs> I, do, I, I do like Webb, Daniels, Ball. They may be a lot of the same type of back, and that's kind of, I guess, where I'm going, where I need that guy you can't catch. And I know this is going too far, but Dimps and Rainey types. You know, you, you're, you're not duplicating those guys, but somebody that you know, all right, little swing pass, make a, another guy, make one, two guys miss, and he's off to the races. I'm still not sure Florida has that guy in the backfield right now. No, I mean, look, I think Florida needs as much explosion as you can get, especially with Graham Mertz at quarterback. We saw with Anthony Richardson an explosive offense that was inconsistent. Last year we saw an offense that was a little bit more consistent but not explosive at all. And certainly the only way you're going to get more explosive is by adding more explosive players. And and Mertz will be gone by the time these guys get get there, obviously. But at the same time, um, you know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for guys who can take it to the house, especially if it's not a guy who's going to be out on the field all three downs, right? I mean, you'd love to have a three-down running back just like you'd love to have a three-down linebacker. That's not always possible. And the good news is on the offensive side of the ball, you can start matching personnel. You can you can have different packages, all that sort of stuff to make sure that you take advantage of the skills. So in my mind, if you're going to have five, six, you know, five or six scholarship players at the running back position, you don't want them all to look the same. You want different skill sets along the way. Now, um, you know, it would be great to have somebody who has all the skill sets, right? A guy who's a, you know, a, a Dalvin Cook type who's who's big and fast and the the bellwether who can go out there and rush for 1500 yards and you just hand him the ball and, and get out of the way. That's not always possible. Certainly uh, with some of the recruiting issues that Florida's had, that's not always possible. So you sort of have to piece that together to start with. And I think given the 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 track record that this staff has with running backs, um, I think we could probably be pretty comfortable that the guys they're going after are going to be contributors. The question will be, can they find that star? Look, not every running back commit's going to be ETN. ETN had some special qualities that these guys will have to show that they have at the same time. You can't bring it. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you keep, you keep bringing them in. You keep stacking them. Eventually, you find that, right? And and I don't think anybody anticipated ETN coming in as a true freshman rushing the ball against Utah two years ago. And all of a sudden, hey, look, he proved himself. He clearly was showing in practice everything we've seen since then the last two years, and he gets an opportunity to play. And so I think these guys will have that same opportunity if they've got that same level of giftedness. 
Yeah, there you go. That's kind of where I was going to go once you brought up ETN. We didn't know he was going to be what he was. Uh, you know, it was, he, he did not have that recruiting profile. Where he's at now at Georgia didn't even really show all that much interest in him coming out of high school. Uh, Billy Napier did, coming from Louisiana and had the ETN older brother here in Jacksonville that had the proximity. And uh, you get him in the fold and he goes out there and proves himself. Uh, and unfortunately, he won't be in year three. Uh, here at Florida, but as I said, you know, a little underrated and staff saw something. Uh, and look, I, like I said, we're running back recruiting, not really what I'm worried about. I just like to have, you know, a speedster back there to go along uh, with the power that they have or they seem to have uh, back there. So, all right, let's move. And this one probably going to take the longest uh, to, to go through because of all the options here. Uh, and that would be wide receiver. Josiah Abdullah committed for the 2025 class already. Uh, one of my top priorities, Will, for this cycle is to get a big-bodied receiver to go along with all the speed the staff has recruited the last couple of classes. Uh, and then I think we go there and not while not highly ranked, not really ranked at all, but the name that comes up, he will be ranked probably pretty soon. Ashton Ansley fits that big-body bill. You know, look, last cycle, Florida landed two wide receivers. Jeray Hawkins comes in 5'9", 165 pounds. Tawaski Abrams measures 5'11", 175 pounds. Well, Will Ashton Ansley comes from the state of Texas, measures 6'5", has said Florida's his leader. He's not rated by 24-7 or on three at the moment, but has offers from Ole Miss, South Carolina, Louisiana Tech, Arkansas State. Past fall, 32 receptions, 689 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Did go on to say this offer means a lot to me because it was one of my lists for my top schools I wanted to consider playing for, Ansley told Gators Online. My family and I already plan on coming to visit for the spring game and also Friday Night Lights this summer. I think it would be great to have uh, to be coached by Billy Gonzalez, um, have him coach me up, see how he coaches firsthand. I know he has a coach to great wide receivers and would love to learn in a camp setting from someone who could be my next position coach. Uh, Ansley notes that the program meets much of his criteria. Uh, Florida fan base making him feel welcome already, even though he hasn't visited campus just yet. He's also conducting research on the program and university as a whole. Does say Florida's a national program, school that historically wins you know championships. I love the Gators' colors. <laughs> Plus, they have an amazing fans who have shown me so much love. I love how the stadium looks. Can't wait to see how it looks live on game day. Very excited to see a few games. But, Will, I talked about earlier, DJ Lagway and the effect that he makes, and Ansley being from the state of Texas. Well, DJ Lagway is a significant draw. The Florida quarterback has that presence right here for Ansley. Both natives of the Lone Star State that have plenty of practice sessions and can now officially join forces with Ansley if Ansley were to choose Florida. DJ and I have a great relationship, and I enjoy training with him. Dude pushes everyone to get better. Plus, he's a really good person. He talks a lot about the Gators. He's an amazing player. It's a blessing to know have, blessing to now have the opportunity to be his teammate. I believe the program is building in the right direction from what I've seen. I've watched a lot of games since DJ committed there and wanted to see what the team looked like. A few points here or there changes the record a lot. I can't wait to get up there and learn more about the culture of the team and vision of the program. Florida is at the top, and DJ Lagway is definitely a reason why, said Ansley. In addition to his offers, the 2025 prospect is receiving interest from Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and LSU, among 
others. We'll get into more in just a bit, Will. But did like I said, not rank, not really knowing a whole lot of batting. But Ashton Ansley, big-bodied receiver, as I said, you know, Florida's cr- recruited a ton of speed at the receiver position since Billy Napier's taken over. And I know we go back to the last staff, and they probably recruited too many big bodies. Uh, and those guys still really haven't panned out. Uh, but with all the speed Billy Napier's recruited, it would be nice to get a big body they can count on there. Yeah, it's funny. I hadn't heard of Ashton Ansley until you until you sent his name over, and then I started looking, and I go, hmm, averaged 21 and a half yards per reception last year. Hmm, averaged 21.1 yards per reception his sophomore season and caught 53 passes over those two years. That's some real-time production, and the fact that he's six foot five and putting up that sort of production means – you you know you think about like when the profiles of receivers who come in you sort of look at guys who profile because of their skill set and then you see guys who profile because of their productivity and you know anybody who saw Johnny Wilson for Florida State the last couple of years go up and get a ball and just annoy the crap out of you because they they'd get a first down when basically just Jordan Travis chucked it up and he went and got went and got it this is the kind of ability that a guy like Ansley has. Um, you start looking at the film on him a little bit, and you go, yeah, okay, I can see it. Um, so we'll see where he comes in in the rankings. Obviously, um, you know, he's got a ways to climb because he's not ranked right now. But a relationship with Lagway, obviously that becomes important. I'm glad he likes the colors. I do too. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see how it progresses. I, I think, again, I always sort of talk about recruiting as – the you know you want to look at a position grouping and see who gets brought in and so you don't just want like you like you mentioned you don't want to bring in four guys who are six foot four and you don't want to bring in four guys who are five foot eleven like you want to bring in guys who sort of fit the different profiles of what you're looking for um so that you can mesh them together with different concepts different routes different things like that so we saw that last year a little bit with Andy Jean and and Aiden Mizell and then obviously Trey Wilson Hopefully we'll see a lot more of that this year. And a guy like Ansley sort of fits the Mizell type profile, though Mizell is much more of a burner and Ansley's going to be more, hey, go win the battle because you're tall. But same general principle where you're putting a guy out on the outside and, uh, you know, throw it up to Plaxico Burris and let him go get it. <laughs> All right, let's get into even more of these names. And we will start at the top here. Caleb Cunningham, five-star wide receiver out of Mississippi, just released his visit schedule yesterday. Released it for this spring, and the Gators will get a spring game visit on April 13th from Caleb Cunningham, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, LSU, Mississippi State, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Tennessee made the cut for the five-star. He's looking at a decision closer to National Signing Day, so some time here. Also likes the prospect of playing with DJ Lagway. But it seems it'll be really hard to get him out of the state of Mississippi. And new Mississippi State head coach Jeff Levy is personally helping lead this one for the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs are thought to be the team to beat for the in-state five-star receiver. Vernell Brown III, the legacy four-star athlete's reputation, continues to improve. While he is a legacy, he does not want that to influence the decision from either side. You know, He doesn't want Florida pushing it. Florida's not pushing it, and he's not really – just stapled into Florida because he is a legacy. Of course, his father has both worked for and played for, uh, worked for and played in the program, as have his grandfather and uncles. Despite those deep ties, Brown is attempting to keep them separate from his recruitment process in a long-standing relationship with wide receiver coach Billy Gonzalez, of course. 
As far as decision timeline for Brown, he told 24-7 Sports, hopefully the picture is clear enough for me to make a decision before the season, but if not, it won't be long into the season if it takes that long. So where does Florida fit right now? Quote, he says they are in the mix, but it's not like Florida is the school to beat. In 2023, the two-way player for Orlando Jones had also doubled as a primary return man, caught 70 passes for 1,363 yards, 10 touchdowns on offense, while scoring four times on special teams, three punt returns, and a kickoff return. Recently at the Under Armour camp in Orlando got labeled as, quote, a route-running specialist, has a dangerous release from the line, and is able to go out and make some incredible catches, can get acrobatic when it's time to make the tough catch. Next up's Kobe Howard, a four-star, just transferred to Shamanon Madonna Prep, caught 65 passes last season for 1,065 yards, eight touchdowns as a junior at Western, helped the Wildcats reach regional finals in Florida's 4M playoffs, also carried the ball 26 times for 225 yards and four touchdowns while passing for 108 yards. Returned to punt for a score on special teams. 2022, he missed a significant chunk of his sophomore season due to an injury. Still caught 13 passes for 176 yards and two tu- and a touchdown in two games. But as a freshman in 2021, caught 70 passes for 808 yards and eight touchdowns at Pensacola Catholic. Brown told Twomp 24-7's Blake Alderman he has a date in mind early in the month of March for a visit after missing one earlier this year. He has it scheduled for March the 8th, so I think that'll be when I'll be there, he told Swamp 24-7. I want to talk with them again, get a good idea of how they want to use me in their offense, just going around seeing how it's just to be a Florida Gators student, just getting a chance to come back and build an even better relationship with the coaches. 5'11", 185-pound, plans to revisit Florida as well as a few more in-state programs. Currently, Florida State is the team that appeals most to Howard he is most likely to make a decision before his senior year, following with more visits this spring and summer. Uh, Cortez, Cortez Mills is another name, a uh, four-star wide receiver, ranked 130th overall. Um, he had a stellar 2023 season as a junior, and for Homestead, he led the team in receiving, paving the way for a Florida 3M title appearance, 79 passes, racking up 1,640 yards, scoring 18 touchdowns, his performance on him a spot in Miami Herald all day, all day 4M, 3M selection. A few days ago, he said there are currently five programs that are standing out the most. Clemson, Miami, LSU, Nebraska, and Penn State. And is considering other schools such as Florida State and Georgia, who you may visit in March. The thought is Florida is still in this, but a lot of ground to make up, but does have an official visit set up June 7th through the 9th. And also rounded out here, Dalen Upshaw, three-star recruit from Alabama, has announced multiple upcoming visits to Florida, according to OM3. Upshaw stands 5'11", 175 pounds, three-star recruit. However, his offer list from several Power 5 programs suggests a higher grade than his three-star rating implies. This list includes Florida, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia, Texas, among others. Upshaw mentioned Auburn, Florida State, Miami, Tennessee, and UCF would receive official visits. So a lot of talent here, Will. Don't know where Florida will get their next wide receiver commitment here, but, you know, Brunel Brown, I think, is the obvious name. I know you. he doesn't want to use the legacy thing on his. Florida's not pushing it on him, but I do think that's 
ideally where you probably start here if you want to add another wide receiver into the mix. Yeah, I mean, I think Florida obviously would love to add another wide receiver to the mix. The you know, um, the current commit has is like one of those 5'10", 190-pound guys. So if you're looking at this from that perspective, then a guy like Ansley who's 6'5", or a guy like Cunningham who's 6'3", as opposed to Brown 5'10", Howard 5'11", and then you got Cortez Mills at 6'1", and, and Dalen Upshot 5'11". So you know, do you want that many guys who are 5'11"? Probably not. And so the question is, which one of those guys are the guys that you're going to target? I mean, you you mentioned the stats. The one that really jumped out to me was Kobe Howard. He's out of Davie, Florida. So, hey, it's somebody who's relatively close to home. 65 catches his junior year, but then he also had 26 rushes for 224 yards. So you think about sort of insurance for Trey Wilson. That's sort of what I'm thinking when you, when you look at Kobe Howard. Obviously, Caleb Cunningham is the guy with the huge upside. At the same time, how many times has Florida really been able to deliver on that five-star guy at the, at the wide receiver position? Been a long time since we've had a five-star recruit out there at the wide receiver position. I'm not holding my breath on that one. I mean, you just have time. a number one in the state of Florida get away to go to Ohio State. I don't know how you go pull the number one and he's in Mississippi. Well, I mean, I, I think – number two overall. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think I think the reality is is that this this is one of the reasons why when I look at the overall season and say what would a successful 2024 season look like, it involves DJ Lagway going out there and chucking the ball around. Because yeah. how, do, how do you sell a guy on the program – if you're selling him on sort of a middling offense that's not going downfield, it's hard to do, right? And if if Lagway's out there and is a star, and we or at least we can see that he has the ability to be a star, and the recruits can see that he has the ability to be a star, and it's his job in 2025, and everybody knows it. Well, okay, is that is there a Pied Piper effect to some of these guys who are recruits? who are going to come in and start right away. So you think about Luther Burden at Missouri comes in. He's starting right off the bat, jumps jumps right in front of everybody on the depth chart. A guy like Cunningham has the ability to do that. So um, like you mentioned, Brown, probably the guy that you look at and say, this is the guy who we have if we want him. And I know he's saying, you know, don't use the legacy stuff, but that stuff matters. It does. And, and so Brown's probably the guy that you sort of target in terms of, hey, Worst case scenario, quote unquote, that's where we end up. But I, I think if you added a guy like Howard, that'd be a big deal. And then obviously, if you bring in a guy like Cunningham, that'd be a huge deal as well. Yeah, I think off the list here, Ansley, just the way he talks about Lagway in Florida and Vernell Brown, I think that's the next two likely would give you three. Uh, and not really top of the top, you know, Vernell Brown around that 250 range on 24 7, around the 300 range on on three, uh, listed as an athlete, listed as a wide receiver. Uh, there, but Ansley, as I say, given the big body type, Vernell Brown, thir- the third kind of the do it all type. Um, so not top of the top, uh, but um, would give you some versatility right here in the wide receiver room. All right, well, let's move to the next position where hey, the Gators just got to commit. Uh, of, of course, we talked about talked about that a couple of days ago on Gators Breakdown. Uh, but significant developments have occurred recently. Will, <laughs> of course, Darnell Stapleton departed for the NFL last week. Uh, and then Peyton Joseph made a commitment, which is substantial gain for the interior of the offensive line. Coupling that with top offensive tackle is crucial. I mean, Will, I think we we know Florida needs to enhance the foundational talent profile for that position. All right, let's go to uh, offensive line. If you're watching YouTube, throw it up there for you. Uh, it's big time names here, but um, let's go. Top two options for the tackle spot. Let's start with uh, Zaire Addison. I'll start with him because he's from the state of Florida. Four-star offensive tackle from Riverview, playing at Sumner, coming in at six foot four, 280 pounds. 
He says the Gators, quote, really have a shot. Uh, a spring game trip is in the works and working to get a better relationship with Rob Sell, a recent winner of MVP honors for the offensive line at the Under Armour Orlando stop. He's got long arms, athletic, uh, able to play all five spots along the offensive line, and it's that versatility that stands out, of course, is getting eyes at tackle at the next level with 36-and-a-half-inch arms and athleticism. Clemson with Matt Luke as offensive line coach may be the early team to watch for Addison. And then let's go to five-star offensive tackle Michael Fasusi from Louisville, Texas. The Gators have already hosted this big man twice. Uh, during his first visit last summer, he was impressed by the campus surroundings, leaving with the impression that the Gators were a significant contender in his recruitment. He then made a second visit to the Swamp for the Gators game against FSU. Uh, Texas's in-state teams in Oklahoma consider him a priority, so they'll be tough to beat. Uh, as one of the top names uh, in a prime position, he will attract many suitors, of course. Florida's among the, teenies, uh, among the teams pursuing him from the start. Uh, he mentioned that Darnell Stapleton's absence from the Gators staff does not affect him, as Rob Sale is his main recruiter. Florida still needs to schedule an official visit for the six foot five, 300 pound, five star prospect to get him out of the state of Texas. Uh, another name here, just quickly Tavares Dice from Georgia, another option, but Auburn is the team to beat right now. It's been on Florida campus a few times. A decision could come for Auburn pretty soon. Uh, but let's keep it going here and let's go to the in, uh, interior here. Solomon Thomas from Jacksonville Reigns. He could play either tackle or guard at the next level, but many view him as an interior prospect. Uh, make his you got to make him on your wish list, Will. I mean, because right now he's pledged to Florida State. He's got to be on your wish list. I don't know if you can pull him away from Florida State. Uh, committed to Florida State last December, uh, but remaining to be open to other visits. In January, he spent three days at Florida and claimed it was his best visit so far. He plans to keep options open, has identified Florida, LSU, Miami as the three most interested teams. Florida State's always been considered a front-runner, even before his commitment, but Florida continues to pique his interest. Keep it going with Max Buchanan, four-star interior offensive lineman from Sanford, Florida, as Florida of one of three schools with a confirmed official visit date. Buchanan will begin his multiple-day stay in Gainesville on June the 7th, and similar to Susi, Buchanan, a Central Florida native, primarily communicates with Rob Sell, uh, with whom he is really close with. Buchanan believes in the program's trajectory and is confident that DJ Lagway and others will successfully revitalize Florida. He is a versatile uh, prospect, able to play as guard or center, and is notably physical. Uh, although Clemson and Central Florida are the only other schools with confirmed official visit dates, they won't be the only official visits Buchanan makes. And to wrap it up right here, Caden Strayhorn. Uh, the Gators view him as a center at the next level from IMG. Uh, they've been inconsistently in touch with him. The three-star since offering last year uh, had significant visit during last season's victory over Tennessee. However, it was January's junior day that offered him a great experience. His family also traveled down from Michigan, which made the academic presentation and detailed discussions memorable for him and his family. Another advantage for the Gators is that the presence of several IMG Academy alumni on the team, including Strayhorn's close friend, Najee Harris. However, the departure of Darnell Stapleton may influence Florida's standing with him as Trayhorn has 
previously expressed great admiration for the structure Florida had with two offensive line coaches. So to wrap it all up right here, Will, with offensive line, it'll be interesting to see how and when Napier builds out his staff uh, with Stapleton not on it any longer and selling that process to offensive line recruits. Are they going to keep the two offensive line coach system or go a different route? I think early stages from what I hear, I think Billy Napier's the plan is probably to keep that two offensive line coach system. You hear offensive line recruits talk about it a whole lot. Now, it hasn't paid off with top recruit after top recruit after top recruit, but you do hear it mentioned a whole lot. Well, I actually think that's where I was going is that Florida over the last couple of years has really boned up on the numbers at the offensive line position, and now it's time to really start ramping up the quality. So you think about a guy like Fasusi or Thomas, those guys, top 20 ranked players overall in the country. Those are guys who can be game changers on the offensive line, and Florida's going to have to start winning those battles. Buchanan, Addison, and Strayhorn in the you know 240s to 360s, those are very, very good players, but Florida's already brought in a couple of those guys. Like when you think about Fletcher Westfall and Roderick Kearney, those are sort of in that general talent level. But you start looking at Florida's offensive line. Certainly they brought in Crenshaw Dixon. They brought in Devon Manuel, but those guys are juniors. You've got um, Damian George, who's senior um cam waits who's a junior there's not really a whole lot of depth there in the sophomore junior or senior level you got a bunch of freshmen a redshirt freshmen with guys like caden jones marcus maskell fletcher westfall um noel portenjagen kearney bryce lovett those guys and so these guys are all going to have an opportunity to sort of displace those guys if they're more talented so uh you know again it, it comes down to stacking it's funny. It's not nothing that we've really, none of the positions we've really talked about are positions where like Florida has giant roster holes, at least at the freshman or red shirt freshman level, which I think bodes well for the offense overall and bodes well for generally sort of the way you want to build a roster. Like I'm not sitting here going, Oh my God, there's a hole. We're going to have to play a true freshman. I'm saying, Hey, let's increase the talent level. And maybe one of these guys comes in and plays as a true freshman because he's able to win a battle. We talked about that at quarterback. We talked about that at running back. You can certainly talk about that at wide receiver with Gene, Mysel, Hawkins and Abrams in the fold. And now we can talk about that on offensive line as well. We're going to get to tight end and you can't say that there, but for, for the other main, for the other positions, <laughs> you certainly can say that. And a guy like Fasusi or Thomas would just add to that and really ramp up the competition level. Yeah. So just the interesting storylines, like I said, just got one big recruit, of course, Peyton Joseph, uh, what was your what was your takeaways from that? Of course, uh, I know I talked about it on Gators Breakdown a couple of days ago, but and look, I know we kind of previewed it last week as well. It's pretty much thought that he was gone to pick Florida, uh, but I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, getting one of the best interior offensive linemen in the country and the hopefully added. By, now he said no package deal, of course, but Antoine Hill, of course, the quarterback, and maybe that storyline working itself out. Well, I mean, look, Warner Robbins George is halfway between Athens and Gainesville. And so when a guy, when Kirby wants a guy and he's in the state, usually he gets him. So to bring in a guy like Joseph and, and be able to beat out the big time teams that were after him, that's great. Um, obviously it still has to convert onto the field. And a lot of times you get sort of highly ranked tackles who move inside to guard. This guy's a guard from the start an interior offensive lineman. And we've seen what Florida can do with, 
relatively low-ranked interior offensive lineman. I mean, Osiris Torrance was not a guy who had offers from every major program out there, turns into a unanimous All-American. So certainly the two <laughs> the two offensive line coaches have shown uh, benefits in the past, just not sort of holistically within the entire offensive line. I think at this point you've got a bunch of bodies, and I think sort of what I said about the guys we just talked about applies to Joseph as well, is he is an upgrade in the talent at least the talent profile for the interior offensive line. And if you think about what Billy Napier wants to do, and if you think about sort of where the 49ers struggled in the Super Bowl the other day, really getting beat interior, the guard, the backup guard for the Niners is one of the reasons why they didn't win that game. And you don't really notice that until it shows up on the film and you see that someone's not necessarily executing. But there were multiple times last year where where Mazuka or, or Richie Leonard struggled and that really sort of put Florida at a disadvantage in a lot of different places. I know Damian George gets a lot of criticism and he should, but at the same time, the guards weren't great shakes all year long as well. So adding the talent level to that, that spot, bringing in a guy from Georgia, a guy that Georgia wanted and a guy who's a top 100 player. I mean, you can never have too many of those guys on the offensive line. And I think, you know, our, our buddy Bill Sykes is probably more attuned to this than, than I am, but the number of top 100 guys that Florida's brought in on the offensive line over like the past decade, you can probably count on one hand. And so when you get an opportunity to bring in a guy like that, it's, it's a big deal, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it, like you said, for all the reasons. And, I mean, look, Florida State was thought to be the team to beat like a year or so ago. <laughs> and you and you get and you get uh, you get him over them as well, so – Certainly, out of the state of Georgia, or rivals as well, big-time get. Um, all right, so we'll wrap up our offense right here with the tight end position. And, of course, Amir Jackson committed last cycle, and it's certainly viewed as a big-time receiving threat from the tight end spot with his six foot five, 220-pound frame. I mentioned earlier, Will, about getting wide receivers that are bigger frame. Well, Jackson at the tight end spot can be viewed as that as well. He shines when getting vertical for the ball. Uh, he, you know, times his jumps well, is more of a bigger receiver playing tight end. He's far from a finished product, though, so making him even more uh, an intriguing prospect. But Jackson's versatility, passing, catching, you know, pass catching, fluidity for bigger athletes is what makes him intriguing and just how he fits into Napier's offense. So I think looking ahead, Florida may need more combo tight ends or pure tight ends to kind of, I think, you know, maybe pair uh, with, with Amir Jackson. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I, I mentioned or I alluded to it. There's, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of tight ends on the <laughs> roster. I mean, you got Arliss Boardingham, Hayden Hansen, and then Tony Livingston, and then you got Amir Jackson, and that is it, right? And so, um, you know, we've talked a lot about stacking, and we've talked a lot about, hey, you got to win a competition to get out on the field. Nobody's got to win a competition to get out of the field in this one. It's it's uh, show up and we need you, especially considering how much Billy Napier likes playing 12 personnel. Um, you know, the reality is, is that uh, <laughs> they need more tight ends. They need more bodies, irrespective of, of talent. Now, obviously, the guys we're going to talk about are talented players as well, but um, – but to me, that's the, like the gaping hole in the recruiting for Billy Napier over the last few years has been tight end. They just haven't been able to stack multiple tight ends each year the way they have it running back or the way they have it wide receiver. And, and that's going to have to change, um, especially given some of the things they want to do on offense. I mean, you know, again, I go back to the Super Bowl. One of the big things that the 49ers do is they've got a bunch of guys who are interchangeable. So on the on the third down and four, um, 
in not in overtime, but in in at the end of the game, I believe it was when they could have iced the game away and then kicked a field goal. Um, it was George Kittle who's in the backfield as a running back and missed the pass protection <laughs> on on the free running blitz from Kansas City. But the fact that the 49ers have guys that are interchangeable and you can move around frees up that offense to do a whole lot of different stuff. And, you know, we, we talked a lot when Billy Napier was hired that his offense in many ways sort of replicates that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan type of offense. But you can't do anything if you're all wide receivers and running backs because it eliminates the advantages that you get by having guys who can block and catch at the same time. Arliss Boardingham is probably the closest we've seen to a guy who has the skills to do both of those, but certainly that they need, they, you know, we talked about sort of three down running backs, three down linebackers in some ways, having a three down tight end becomes a really critical thing for Florida and their offense. All right. So who can those guys be? Let's take a look. Uh, let's start with Tamez Young, a three-star prospect stands at six foot four, weighs 205 pounds, considered a mismatch in the passing game. A Tampa native, so staying close to home and playing for the in-state Gators is an attractive option. He's expected to make a date a decision in the in the spring. Florida and West Virginia lead the race right now, so it looks like it's only a two-team race uh, right here for the 692nd-ranked player overall, about 600 uh, you know, uh, on three. So given Florida's strong position with other tight end options, it may need to decide soon and uh, hard to see if Florida would not be the choice if Young makes a decision soon. Uh, Hayden, Brad, uh, Hayden Bradley out of Buford, Georgia, just received an offer from the Gators and has looked as a looked at as more of a pure tight end, six foot five, two hundred and fifteen pounder, Peach State native, uh, not ranked by any major recruiting services, but that will change in the near future. Uh, so, uh, Corey Bender from On Three does say he, he should be getting ranked pretty soon. Um, Certainly has not affected his stock, though, as nearly 30 programs are on board with an offer. I did say Florida's a great school, definitely a top school on my offers list. Uh, Bradley told Gators Online, Coach Billy Napier came by the school. I got to spend some time with him, which was awesome. I have also formed a great relationship with tight ends coach Russ Calloway. Currently, Bradley's significant interest in the program is evident through his close relationships, once he visits the campus, those connections are likely to strengthen even more. Um, I love their knowledge of the game and how they expect to use me over at Florida, said Bradley. Getting down to Florida has been the main thing, so I will be scheduling to go down there during the spring. Me and the coaching staff have built a great relationship, which is huge in my recruitment. So if you go look at Buford, they run the type of offense that kind of shows off the jumbo receiver, but pure tight end who lines up at the wide position. Uh, in line with the tackle. So there are blocking concepts, situations, kind of going to your point, Will, blocking concepts, situations similar to what NFL teams run with the tight ends, uh, down blocking on defensive ends, and that's what Bradley demonstrates. Um, so he also demonstrates the strong ability to catch the ball, use his frame effectively, catching several jump balls and full extension passes. Athletically impresses where, you know, with plays he's used as a vertical threat second-level target on play action. His ability to get open and operate within a vertically-based offense is a positive attribute. Bradley's highlight reel showcases a good balance of blocking, catching, play action, positional flexibility. He appears to be an ideal fit for the Florida offense. Other offers come from Michigan, Miami, Oregon, Ole Miss, West Virginia, Penn State, Texas A&M, South Carolina. So not ranked, but he's got that offer seat. 
That's why people will think that uh, will change coming up. Uh, so kiss, consistent communication uh, with those. Uh, a couple more here. Caden Peening from Ohio just announced his top 10 of Florida, Louisville, Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech, Pitt, UCF, Virginia, Michigan State, Stanford, Arkansas, and Illinois. Six foot four, 230 pounds, hails from Ohio, but spent much of his life of uh, in, in the state of Florida before moving to Ohio. So I'm recruiting him as a combo wide receiver and tight end, but the Gators want him as a pure tight end. He studied at Corey Bender from Gators Online. Florida's a great school, and I've heard nothing but great things about their program. A Florida offer is huge in my recruitment and definitely sparks an interest to learn more about their program and see if it's a good fit for me and my family. In his junior year, Peening caught 35 passes, 624 yards, scored five touchdowns, also contributed by running for two additional touchdowns. Last one, Hollis Davidson, sizable outside receiver type at the tight end spot. He's an Auburn commit from Georgia, six foot five, 238 pounds, committed to the Tigers in early February, shortly after visiting Florida for junior days. Uh, before his commitment, David Davidson did list Florida in his top seven. Uh, so didn't spend too much time on him. He's the highest ranked tight end at the spot, but committed to Auburn. Probably going to be tough to pull him away from Auburn. Uh, so, well, like you said, not a crazy amount of options at tight end. Nothing as far as rankings go to go up there with Amaris from the, you know, Jackson from the last class. Uh, just um, Tavares Young, Hayden Bradley seems to be, I think, the two likely here to be one tight end for Florida this cycle or maybe bring in both. Yeah, I mean, I think given what Napier wants to do, he needs to bring in two. I, I think there's just there's just value in having bodies in the room. And, you know, you can, irrespective of what the rankings are, you, you need to have um, the guys who can help you execute your offense. I suspect Florida's gone 11 personnel, you know, one tight end, one running back more than they would have liked just because they're limited in terms of what they can do at the tight end position and bringing in a guy like young and a guy like Bradley would at least allow you to start putting those things into your system. The reality is they're going to have to hit the transfer portal pretty hard at the tight end position. I think over the next year or so to really fill that space out. Um, there's nobody here that profiles as a star. That doesn't mean they can't be a star, but nobody here profiles as a star. And, you know, we've seen what can happen to an offense, even with quarterbacks that you'd maybe go, eh, are they really all that good at places like Georgia, where they've got, you know, when they had Bowers and Washington, both there at tight end, that offense was really, really dynamic. It makes a difference. And Florida hasn't been able to do that yet, hasn't been able to recruit those guys yet. Hopefully, Amir Jackson is part of that. Hopefully, him and Boardingham and Hanson can really sort of be a great combination this year and allow, um, allow maybe tight end recruits to see, hey, this is what you can do at Florida. Um, but certainly, you know, th this is a weak spot, has been a weak spot since Billy Napier got here and, and is continuing to be a, a relative weak spot compared to some of the, the recruits we've already talked about at the different positions so far. Uh, I did see in the chat there, Keon Zipper's name was brought up. Yeah, he did walk out last year, but I, he is back. Uh, for uh, He is given another try because I do believe also Florida Victorious did send out a tweet of him being back You know when they did the announcements of who's on the who's going to be part of Florida Victorious in this football season. 
Uh, so Keon Zipper, and we'll see, you know, if he bounces back and uh, just how healthy he is. Uh, of course, been a while since we've seen him, uh, you know, suit up for the orange and blue there. So what the last you know, biggest play for him was the Tennessee game on the road a couple years ago. AR finds him and he bowls over a couple Tennessee players on the way to the end zone. So yeah, we get something like that from him, but, uh, well, that is interesting. I, I for I just basically marked everybody who came out with the flowers on senior day as 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 gone, and and most of those folks have entered the portal or have decided to go to the NFL. In fact, all of them, I guess, except for Zipper. Um, but guys like Mazuka and stuff like that, it was like okay, Jaden Hill. Those guys all came out. And you're like, okay, I guess that's probably their last game there in the swamp. What what what's interesting now is you know, so I just added Zipper into my spreadsheet for all of the uh, for all the roster spots. They're at 85 scholarship players at this mm-hmm. point. And so if there's going to be more guys brought in from the transfer portal, then they're going to have people who get pushed out. So I don't think that you're necessarily at the roster we're going to see when fall camp hits. Obviously, there's another transfer portal season coming up. I don't think it'll be quite as crazy as this, (laughs) as the winter transfer portal is. However, there will be some opportunities to fill some holes. And I suspect that as some of these younger guys maybe come in and take some starting spots away from some of the older guys, that some of those guys may end up moving on as well. So um, it is interesting. I mean, I think I looked at it right when everybody announced they were going to the transfer portal and Florida was kind of getting a slow start in the, in the transfer portal. And I was like, oh, my God, are we even going to get to 85 scholarships? <laughs> but at this point, it's a full roster. And so, yeah. you know, hey, good on the staff for bringing in guys, filling those needs. There are places where I look at and say, ah, there's a couple of holes here. Tight end, especially on the offense, is, is the area where I where I look at that and say, definitely there's a hole. But for the most part, the roster's been filled up. And, you know, you've got 18 guys that I list as seniors or, you know, last year of eligibility, 20 as juniors, 20 as sophomores, and 27 as freshmen. Obviously, that includes redshirt years and things like that. But if you think about Florida last year being one of the youngest teams in the country, that has completely flipped because last year it was <laughs> it was six people I'd call six players that qualify as seniors in 22, 24, and 30 as freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So um, things starting to move towards more experience. And obviously all those freshmen got experience last year who were playing major minutes. And so uh, I think it's interesting to see the, the roster sort of morph between last year and this year. And I, I do think it'll be interesting to see how that experience really does pay off for Billy Napier and, and how we sort of see that manifest itself over the course of the year. Well, let me go back a couple of weeks ago, you know, S and P plus, Put out their you know, returning production in Florida's thirty second. You know that does count the transfers, but as you mentioned, well, all those freshmen playing snaps last year, year before, Billy Napier playing a lot of young guys, and hey, well, not a, a better time for it <laughs> coming up this year. <laughs> well, and you brought in the transfers to play, right? I mean, especially yeah. this year. Yep. Um, last year, you could make the case that a few of the guys who got brought in weren't necessarily brought into play. Maybe the only so a guy like uh, Spurlock, do Spurlock comes comes in through the transfer portal, isn't necessarily a contributor last year. Those sorts of guys. This year, uh, maybe on the, side, on the other side of that, R.J. Moten, who played a ton of snaps for Michigan, should have been a guy you should have been able to rely on, and got passed up. By Jordan Castell, right? And yeah. and actually, it's funny because I think Castell um, had some explosive plays that really jump out in the film as, oh, boy, that got missed. But if you start looking at his at his pro football focus rankings, he actually played really well last year. So you combine him with DJ Douglas and Asa Turner coming in through the transfer portal, and now you hopefully have three serviceable safeties, and that's a spot where Florida has really struggled over the last four years. They're, they're – 
their quality of play at safety has been really lacking the last few years. So hopefully that can turn around. And you know, a guy like Slackman, guy like Bridges, guy like guys like Douglas and Turner, George Gums. You got Crenshaw Dixon, Emmanuel in the offensive line. You got Shamir DK at wide receiver. Those are all guys who are coming in, transferring, and expecting to play. So it's not just that they brought in guys who have experience from someplace else and they're like depth pieces. No, these guys they're they're expecting to come in, contribute, be starters, and play major major roles in what the 2024 season is going to be absolutely absolutely so hey jc just brought it up in the tweet uh you know glad she joined us for another episode here but hey she i mean look that was that we will wrap up right there on offense 2025 recruiting but a bit of news right here on this monday edition of gators break or tuesday tuesday my my, my, my days are all messed up because i had monday off uh but will you got some kinfolk leading the strength and conditioning <laughs> <laughs> Florida now. So uh, Florida Gators are promoting director of player athletic development, Tyler Miles, to oversee the Gators strength and conditioning department. Miles will serve as a director of football performance, according to Edgar, Topf- Edgar Thompson and Orlando Sentinel, who first broke it. Miles is replacing Craig Fitzgerald, of course, who departed on February 11th to assume the same position at Boston College. Miles recently completed his first season with the Gators, serving as Florida's Director of Player Athletic Development during the 2023 football season. Before Fitzgerald's appointment, several Florida players strongly advocated for Miles to lead the strength and conditioning program. Since Fitzgerald's exit, Miles has supervised the winter workouts. So a little over a week or so, and you know, they've turned it over and turned it and now going with. Miles. So before joining Florida, Miles spent the 2022 season at Duke as an assistant director of sports performance, primarily working with the football team. 2021, he served as an assistant strength and conditioning coach at the University of Miami. Before Miami, he worked at the Boost Performance in Nashville for two years, mainly focusing on combine training and offseason workouts for NFL and college athletes. During this period, he helped prepare 25 to 30 athletes for their NFL combine and pro day. Miles saw 10 of his trainees get selected in the NFL draft over 30 and over 30 signed NFL agent contracts. Simultaneously, he has served as head strength coach at Tennessee state university, working mainly with the football and volleyball teams, as well as the track throwers. So miles, not only responsible for strength and conditioning, but also for athlete rehabilitation and managing the return to play process. His other experience includes roles at Northwestern State University as an assistant strength coach in 2019, the University of Tennessee as a strength and conditioning intern in 2018, and University of South Carolina as a strength and conditioning intern in 2017. So Will can't stress enough that the players wanted this to happen. They did not want an outside hire. There was outside interest, uh, but Billy Napier promotes from within here the players like the intensity of the workouts. I know Trayon Webb retweeted it about his excitement on social media about this move here of hiring Miles. So, Will, I'm glad you got uh, some kinfolk there to uh, help win this. Win the hand here. Cousin Tyler needs to uh, <laughs> needs needs to respond to my my text messages, but uh, all, the nah, it, info, all the inside info, right here. <laughs> so look, I mean, I said this last week, I think, which is that Fitzgerald should have had a plan in place for all of these guys, and continuity becomes important. So a guy like Miles can come in and make sure that Fitzgerald's plan and Billy Napier's plan for each of these players is carried out. And one of the big, big, big things that you get from a strength and conditioning coach is that that's the guy who gets the contact with the players 
when you're not allowed to contact them as coaches, right? There's a limited amount of time you're allowed to spend with these guys, but the strength and conditioning coach gets a ton of time with them during the off season, gets to make sure that they are in the right frame of mind, gets to understand where they sit in terms of, um, you know, general attitude, how they feel about the program, all those sorts of things, things that can sometimes be tough for a, uh, for a head coach or even an assistant coach to gauge. So the strength and conditioning coach beyond just making sure that the guys are ready for the rigors of an sec season i think in some ways when you get pushed to a point where you're you're at complete exhaustion there's just a uh you know, there's a trust you develop with that person that hopefully then feeds into making sure that he's got a good pulse on what the players are feeling and, and is able to relay that to billy napier and and look sometimes it's important to sort of practice hey we're going to make take tone this one down a little bit because the guys are hurting and, and you can start to sort of play that game if you've got the right communication so in my mind because this is such a communication hire, the fact that the players were advocating for him becomes uh, becomes significant. I mean, I, I think it was was it Savage that the players were really mm-hmm. were really advocating for when there was the transition. Obviously, Florida didn't stick with that. They bring in Hawk. Um, to be the strength and conditioning coach, that one doesn't necessarily work out. I think everybody really likes Fitzgerald and really likes Miles as part of um, part of what they're getting here. And I'm just happy to know that we're not going to hear any complaining about vigorous stretching a couple of years from now after uh, <laughs> uh, uh, after uh, the dust settles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, a little bit of news. Get that. It didn't take long uh, for Billy Napier to, to to make that. It hasn't been officially announced, but. Um, been reported out there by pretty much every major service. So that one's going to happen. So, all right, that would do it for this episode. All right, man, a lot of names getting thrown out, uh, a lot of production from the class of 2025 on the offensive side. Next week, we will do the defense and the side that, man, needs every bit of help they can get. (laughs) Uh, So hopefully, you know, Florida continues to, uh, to recruit well on that side of the ball. We'll get into it next week right here on Gators Breakdown. Will, got anything coming up, man? Yeah, so I've got a piece coming up that's going to be looking at the defense, basically top five defenses in the SEC and how Florida has compared to them um, at different positions. And so it, I, fi- I found it actually really interesting. There are some positions on the defense where I would have told you that Florida played well below average. And when you look at it, they're actually not. And then there are some positions that I would have said, ah, Florida's not that bad. And I'm like, no, actually, they've been really, really bad. So, uh, you know, sort of looking from 2020 to 2023, what's it take to get a top five defense? And then what's Florida done from 2020 to 2023? And can that tell us why Florida's defense has been so bad over the last uh, over the last four years? I think there are some trends. I think there's some things that, uh, that point towards better days ahead. And hopefully that's true because I'm not sure I could take another year of what we've seen in the last three or four years. I wonder what the biggest jump has been from year to year for a defense in the SEC. So, I mean, I think it depends on – so there, there's a lot of nuance to that question. Yeah. And I think it depends on what stat you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So Florida's defense last year was extraordinarily susceptible to explosive plays. However, they were much, much better on success rate type stats. Those success rate type stats tend to correlate with scoring more than explosivity. And so, um, and so I expect there to be a jump in the defense's performance, not necessarily because everything gets better, but because the, the, the fundamentals of the defense were better. They just gave up way too many big plays. And so, 
my concern is, is that Austin Armstrong has historically given up a ton of big plays. However, the fact I, I think we're going to see some regression in the mean, regardless, you're not looking at a top 20 defense. You're just not given the, oh, yeah. given, given where they came from, but I mean, top 40, I think that's absolutely doable. And I think if they got, so two years ago in, in 2021, the defense actually ranked like, I think 36th or 37th in yards per play allowed. The problem is, is that that those were FBS stats and took the Sanford stats out that just could like completely torched them. And you know, the, 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 the attitude and the effort and the, yeah, the transition the from, Grantham to Christian Robinson. Yeah, I mean, so the tone around the program was really negative all year long, and certainly Grantham had a terrible year in 2020. So in 2021, when it wasn't good in spurts, we saw it. But, I mean, there, if you looked at it, you would have said that Florida's defense was much better. They gave up four less points per game in 2021 than they did in 2020. Um, at the same time, obviously wasn't good enough. And and really the offense was the problem for Florida in 2021. And then 2022 and 2023, the offense has been kind of middling, and obviously the defense has been really, really bad. So. Um, yeah, I, I did something a while back. It was, it was more on the offensive side of the ball a long time ago where I was looking at Nussmeyer and saying, Oh, it can't possibly be as bad as it was last year. And it was something like 75 or 80% of, of offenses that ranked below 100 jumped into the top 50. Like there was a lot of movement there between those rankings. I suspect it's pretty similar on the defensive side, but it's been a long time. So I've looked at anything like that. We're going to make Treon Harris a pocket quarterback. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to recruit Malik Zaire to be the same way. Oh my God. Everybody saw that one coming. <laughs> like, I'm not sure anybody thought that was a no. good, uh, a, a good addition. Nope. Nope. I could not jump on board with that one. Dave, you're, no, you're, it, you're, it was not ever a shot at Malik Zaire. It was a shot at Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmeyer. Well, I, absolutely. I, I'm just, I'm just waiting for you to fire me because basically, ever since I've come onto the podcast, the defense has just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll hopefully tough it out until things start to improve. What else are we gonna do, Will? What else are we gonna do? I got, All I got right. no answers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Follow Will, readingreaction.com, at WillMilesSEC as well on social media. Get his latest coming up there on the defense. And we'll talk defense next week, Class of 2025. We'll try and maybe marry those two thoughts uh, again next week after Will writes his article. And I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown.